Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now, here's this week's message from Hollyview Church, Finding Joy in Gospel Partners. It's from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11, and we're hearing from our pastor, Dr. Joel Woodard. Welcome, I'm Joel, I'm the pastor uh, here. You can call me Joel, um, and that's it. <laughs> so this, this week, or pastor, if you'd like, I, I feel that's a term of endearment. Uh, I'll give you this week to do the whole doctor thing, and then after that, let's be done with that. <laughs> um, uh, today, we're starting an eight-week series in uh, the, the letter to the uh, Philippian church, and hopefully many of you have gathered together uh, with these intentional connections this week to read over the letter, or even hopefully even just with your spouse or with your kids to read over the letter beforehand to kind of prepare our, our minds for that. So as we begin the sermon, now let's just switch. So we're gonna, I'd like to um, come to God's Word, our firm foundation. If you wouldn't mind, would you, would you please stand with me as I read just the first two verses of Philippians 1. Philippians 1, beginning in verse 1. Paul and Timothy... Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, as we approach this beautiful, heartfelt, joy-filled letter, Lord, would you allow the Spirit to wash over these words and fill them into our hearts so that we would leave here encouraged, but that we would uh, leave here challenged to see the kingdom of God at work in our own lives here, that you would bring us uh, solid relationships and partnerships in the gospel that, that challenge and grow each other, Lord, that you would uh, allow these words written to uh, a worshiping community of Jesus followers in Philippi be words uh, that cut to our hearts here at Hollyview. And so we, we humbly come before you. Would you speak to us this morning? Open our eyes. We can see. Open our ears that we can hear. And Lord, soften our hearts that we will uh, leave here more in love with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Uh, Paul was writing to a group of believers in Philippi. They had been a church for about 10 years, uh, a, a letter to the Philippians. Now, when we, we hear the, the city of Philippi, it probably doesn't mean much uh, to you. Maybe you've read the letter or, uh, or may have some random ideas, but, it's, but it's, it doesn't really strike our hearts, the, the letter to the Philippians. But to Paul and to Timothy, when, when they're writing this letter, it, it must have been a flood of memories and emotions that just filled their hearts. This place was special to them. You can read about it in Acts 16. It was Paul's second missionary journey that he first goes to, to Philippi. And let me, let me just set the, the sermon up just, just by sharing with you some of Paul's memories that he would have shared with 
you if you would have uh, been there to listen. Uh, it's Paul's second missionary journey. Now, he's in Asia Minor, and, and he gets this dream uh, of this, this guy telling him, we need you to come and help. We need you to come and, and help us. He's a Macedonian guy. So he's over in, in Europe. It's a whole different continent away uh, over the, the sea. And, and he's like, okay, compelled by the Spirit and the Lord, convinced him and his, uh, uh, his buddies, uh, one of whom he just picked up in a town just before, this young guy named Timothy, who had just given his life to Jesus. And now Paul was discipling him along, along with Silas and, and Barnabas. This small group of people end up going to Macedonia, Europe. The first time they set foot in, in Europe because of the call of Jesus on their life to go there. This, this vision to, to go and spread the gospel to Europe for the first, first time. So they land in this one city and then they make their way to Philippi. Philippi is a huge Roman town. Uh, it's, it's, it's very expansive and huge and a lot going on. And, and it's, even though it's in Greece, uh, it has this Roman influence as well. And all Paul and his companions know is we're supposed to, supposed to go there. And so they go to the city of Philippi. And I can't imagine uh, the sights and the smells that they, would have, uh, that they would have brought back to memory. Have you ever, any of you been to a new country or a new place and you get off the airplane or off the boat and you smell things for the first time and you see things? It's just a whole new experience. Have any of you had that? That's what, that's what Paul and his companions were like as they leave Asia Minor and are going west into Europe and, and, and they get to Philippi, and, and it's just all these floods of emotions, the first smells that they had, the first sights that they had, and they're just walking around this town of Philippi, not really knowing even where to go. I mean, they knew the Lord called them to, to Philippi, to Macedonia, but they didn't know where or to what. And so they, they're walking around this town, and I can imagine him going through the little alleyways going, i got to remember the way back out of here. Uh, I don't even know where I'm at, as they're kind of orientating themselves to Philippi, going, Lord, you called us here. We don't know what for. So the Sabbath comes around, and Paul goes, hey, I don't know what's better. Let's go find a place to pray. And so they go down by a river, hoping to meet maybe even some, some Jewish people there that would gather to be praying by the river. And so Paul and his companions go down to the river to pray, and there's this group of women who are, who are sitting around the river, and, and they hear the, the prayers of them. And so Paul goes over to this group and introduces himself Tells him, I'm Paul. Let me, let me tell you a little bit about my, my story. Uh, I, I, was, I was one of the Jewish leaders. I mean, I was like up there, uh, and I met Jesus on the road to Damascus. I was persecuting the church, and, and then all of a sudden my heart was changed because of, of Jesus. And then I had this dream that I'm supposed to come here and tell you the good news of Jesus. I mean, to this random group of, of people, and Paul is just like, I don't know why I'm here, but this is the good news. And he couldn't help but notice there's one lady who was uh, kind of dressed in purple, sitting uh, on the outside, just, just staring at him. This lady who had come to that river to pray that day in hopes to find the answers for what she'd been longing for, what, what her, even her like, Jewish faith was leading her into seeing the worshiper of God and going, but I'm not quite sure how we find this relationship with, with God again. And then Paul comes that day and tells her. 
and her heart just burns within her, and she hears the message of Jesus, gives her life to be a follower of Jesus, and that day, right by the river, Paul's like, let's, let's baptize you right now. And so they, they baptize her, and she's a wealthy lady, actually, and they invite Paul and his companions into, their, into her home. Uh, here's Paul who goes, I'm taking a step of faith by going to Macedonia because that's where the Lord's called me to go. I don't know where we're going. I don't know where we're going to stay. And he goes down to the river just to pray, and his life has changed because he has a place to stay now. And he will have a place to stay anytime he comes back to Philippi because of uh, this lady. Her name was Lydia. And Lydia, I can only imagine the conversations they would have had uh, over meals as well. Like, okay, Paul, so tell me about this kingdom of God. And Paul would have been like, oh, well, the kingdom of God is like, and would have gone off to just explain and disciple Lydia and her household as well. Gospel partnerships began that day. And you know, God builds his kingdom even to this day through gospel partnerships, through those relationships that come together centered around uh, the gospel. Um, um, if you just, uh, I wasn't going to say this, but let me just tell you a short story. Uh, this is just a personal one before we go back to uh, Acts 16 and, Phil- and Philippi. Um, four, five years ago, four and a half years ago, uh, we really felt the Lord calling us to Hollyview. Uh, and we didn't know, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, we come here and we're like, okay, Lord, this is where you, you have us. Um, what do you want us to do? Uh, during that time, uh, Mill and Alice, they're actually over in Eagle Crest this morning, but Mill, uh, Mill had some stuff going on with his lungs. We were actually, I met them in the hospital where they were talking about uh, comfort care for, for Mill. It was that bad. And so I'd visit them uh, quite often, and there's this one time, uh, it's right here on Hollyview Terrace, right behind the, the church here. And so I'm visiting Mill and praying for him, and I'm going out of his driveway, and there's a young lady with a stroller who's walking uh, her two kids down the road. Um, and I know Hollyview Terrace is a one-way, like it's a dead-end street, so everybody knows everybody. If you ever lived on a place like that, you know everyone's like, who's visiting who and all that stuff. So I stop and let this young girl go by, and then I stop and just say, hey, I just want to let you know uh, I'm the new pastor at Hollyview. Uh, Mills, you know, you know Mills sick, and yeah, I know Mills not, not doing well. So I'll probably be visiting. So you'll just, if you see my car, you'll just know what it is. And that was it. And I said, bye. Well, that next Sunday, she shows up and sits, uh, she sits right over there. And so Amy and I said, Amy, that's the girl that I met on the thing. So Amy goes over and introduces herself to her. And she said, when I, when I was young, uh, a little kid, I grew up in the church, um, but kind of walked away from the Lord, married an unbeliever, uh, had a couple kids of her own, and was pregnant again, and, would go, and was on that walk going, I think the Lord wants me to go back to church. But I don't even know where. I don't, even, I don't even know where to start that journey. And so she's on that walk, and I stop and go, Hi, I'm Joel. I'm the pastor of Hollyview Church over there. She jumped into nursery. She uh, introduced her husband, who had never even talked to a pastor before. And we had lunch together uh, several times. She introduced us to her brother, Tyson, who came here and was baptized a little bit later. They're now in, in Texas. But when I think of Hollyview, uh, I think of all of you but I think of those partnerships that encouraged me in those early days, in that first fall that I was here, to go, the Lord's working. He's doing something. Uh, that encouragement for, for me, even, as, 
as someone in ministry to go, did we just come here, did the Lord forget us? Is he going to do anything? And the Lord's like, no, I got gotcha. you. I'm working, I'm working this, the same way. Now, if you can imagine me feeling that, imagine what Paul felt like as he goes to this whole new town, doesn't know anyone, and sees the conversion of Lydia and stays in her, in her home and, and feels that protection there. So, so he's staying there, and he's doing these evangelistic like walkabouts and prayers in, in Philippi. And as he's doing that, him and his 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 buddies, there's this young girl that's following behind them for days. And she's like this screeching voice calling out, uh, these men, the, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Now, now you, you think that would be a nice call, like, hey, she's like ushering us through. But this, this young slave girl who has owners over her, has the spirit of divination, or like she can tell the future. Uh, in the Greek, it's actually uh, the spirit of the python, uh, which maybe has some other uh, interesting ideas with Greek uh, mythology as well. But this, she's got this ability to tell the future. And so these, these cries about these men are servants of the Most High God, I, I don't think they were a nice, pleasant sound. I, I think there was something torturous in them. So after days of, of her following Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy, uh, they finally had enough. And we don't know had enough of what, the screaming or the, this young girl getting like abused or, or, or what. There's something that they turn around and go, commands the spirit to leave this little girl, and it does. So this little slave girl is now set free, which makes the owners of this girl super mad. Now they can't get profit from her. And so they, they raise up this like ruckus in town, go to the authorities. Hey, uh, Paul and these companions, they're stirring up like all kinds of trouble uh, in our town. You need, we need to put them away, get, get rid of them. And so they beat them and throw them in jail and put them in these stocks, very uncomfortable stocks, and they're sitting in this dark prison cell. So there's Paul and Silas with their feet in stocks, but they've just experienced some incredible workings of the Lord. And so they were there singing and praying. And I can only imagine singing about uh, the thanksgiving of God, what he has done. We were foreigners in this land, and now we have a home. And Lydia, she's finally found what she's looking for, this young slave girl. She's been set free. Oh, Lord, please protect her, help her, draw her out of there. I can only imagine Paul and Silas, like, just all these emotions in this jail, singing and praying, and then all of a sudden, everything starts shaking and there's an earthquake. And, and the, the doors fall off of the prison, their shackles are set free, they're set free in prison, in Philippi. And, and all that earthquake, it finally wakes up the jailer, who at that time, if, you, if an, a prisoner escaped, it would require your life. Uh, and so... As, as he's thinking, all these people are going to be gone, uh, he draws his sword out to kill himself. He's a noble man, and he, he has a sense of duty in what he's supposed to do. And he goes, well, I'm sure everyone's gone. I'm going to just kill myself now and bring justice because I've failed. And Paul goes, don't do it. We're all right here. And, and I can't imagine what that night and that conversation must have been like with this guy going, I'm a dead man. And, and Paul going, no, you're not. Jesus has set you free. Uh, so this jailer accepts the Lord. 
him and his whole household, they get baptized that day. And Paul, he sticks around Philippi for several more months. And the church in Philippi is born. The first church in Europe in Philippi, made up of this uh, wealthy woman, of this slave girl, of this jailer who has uh, this duty sense about him, this odd group of people all connected because of the, the gospel. And we, we see that God builds his kingdom through these gospel partnerships, these gospel relationships. Well, several months later, Philip, uh, or, uh, Paul continues on from Philippi, but he never stops praying for these people. These are the people that he has in his, his mind. He knows these people. Years go by, and he's actually able to come back and, and visit them. Over the next 10 years, uh, he comes back to Philippi twice, uh, we're told. And this brings us up to the letter of the, to the Philippians. Now, I'm going to set the, set the stage for you where this letter is written at. We've seen the background, and, and here's where the letter is actually written. Paul finds himself in jail once again. But this time, not in Philippi, it's somewhere else. There's lots of speculations. Maybe it's Rome or Caesarea or even Ephesus. Most likely, it's Rome. Uh, but in that time, if you were in jail, you had, there, were, there weren't like uh, three meals a day and a nice bed. You had nothing. And if you wanted anything, your friends and family had to give it to you. So there is Paul in jail uh, on his own. He has, he has nothing. Uh, and this shadow comes across uh, and he sees it looming down, and he like, I think, is that, is that my friend from Philippi? Is, is that you, Epaphroditus? He only looked much skinnier then. Well, Epaphroditus had brought him uh, some gifts of food and money and, and comfort. And can you imagine that reunion that Paul finally sees Epaphroditus from Philippi again? You came, you came all the way here. Six weeks you traveled to get here just to see me, just to encourage me? Oh, Paphrodites, tell me. Tell me stories of Philippi. What, what's God doing over there? I'm sure this sweet gospel relationship, this partnership that they, that they had as they sat in that jail cell would continue to build the kingdom of God through these, even these stories sitting there. Tell, tell me about the jailer. What's he doing? What's it, how's his family doing? What, what are they like? What, what's the last word you heard of that slave girl? Is she doing okay? Did she find a new home? What of Lydia? Where's she at? This is a special, special season of Paul's life. And so after they reminisce and uh, tell stories, Paul's finally like, I need to send you back. I need to send you back to, to the Philippians, to, to Philippi, to give them these encouraging words back. Because I'm so deeply concerned for them, and I want them to know that you're okay, and that I'm okay, and that the kingdom of God is still being built. And so he sits down there in that jail cell, and he gets out a pen, and he begins to write a letter to the people that were so dear to him, so special during that, that time. The memory is just flooding as he sits to write this letter. We're just going to look at the first introduction today. Philippians 1, verse 3. Paul says this. Dear church, 
I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and my, in, my de, in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. We'll stop right there. This opening prayer of thanksgiving just wells up from Paul's heart. It's a beautiful picture of what these gospel relationships look like. It's really an anatomy of what a gospel partnership is, an anatomy of a gospel partnership. And so I want to just slow down a little bit and look at four aspects of a gospel partnership today. And I'd even encourage you to, to consider some of your, your friends, your close friends, or people that are, are kind of around your circles and say, where, where are they at? Are they gospel partners with me? What, what's missing in our relationship? Or, 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 or what, what should I be thankful for that maybe I've just uh, missed out on? Or maybe there's something you need to add on to these. So, so think through your relationships in terms of in the anatomy of a gospel partner. Here we go. Here's the first one. We're going we're gonna to do all these in terms of questions. Uh, what is a, a gospel partnership uh, like? Here's the first question. What, what you do with gospel partnerships? What are, you, what are you supposed to do if you have a gospel relationship, a par- partnership with somebody? And we'll see right away, you're supposed to pray for them and encourage them. The very first thing. Philippians 1.3 says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. You see this relationship, this gospel partnership really begins with prayer. This prayer of encouragement and thanksgiving and support. And a little bit later, we'll see the purpose of that as well. But can you imagine Paul, the very first day that Lydia accepts Jesus, is going to follow after Jesus, is baptized. From that very first day until 10 years later, Paul says, I've been praying for you and I will continue to pray for you. And when I pray, I'm praying with this this deep sense of joy and gratitude and what God has done in your life and what he's doing for you. He, he, he prays for them. And I think that's often, we often miss that, especially in relationships that are so familiar. We miss praying for each other. So, so I wonder, who is it that you pray for? Who, are there friends that are really close friends and you find yourself, oh, I don't even really pray for them? That you need to start making a list, put it in somewhere, and go, I'm going to pray for them. Before I do anything, I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to pray for their needs. I'm going to pray for, Lord, for thanksgiving for them. And I'm going to encourage them and tell them, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you today. Maybe there's somebody who's not in the pew next to you today that normally is. Why don't you pray for them and then text them, hey, I'm praying for you. Hope you're doing okay. Your, your relationship with me is so encouraging. Uh, so pray. It all starts 
with prayer, with gospel partnerships? Who are you praying for? Here's the second one. What you know about gospel partnerships, or what are you supposed to know about gospel partnerships? What, what's the basis on what you're supposed to even uh, have perception or, or, or perspective of these gospel relationships? And here's, here's what Paul would say. Wherever you are on the journey, wherever that person is that you're in this gospel partnership, wherever they are in that journey, uh, the Lord's not done with them yet. So there's hope. There's always hope in gospel partnerships. He's not finished. The story's not done. Look in verse 6. Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I'm sure of this. I'm confident. I know this, that God is at work in you. Not that you're strong enough, or boy, I think they'll beat this, or I think they'll get better. That's not what he's confident in. He knows that God started the work, and he's going to complete it. So he's able to have hope in all those relationships. He's able to even look at them as if they're a completed work of Jesus at the end, and going, I know you're not there yet, but God's going to do an amazing miracle in that, and he's going to set you free. He's going to glorify you, and so I'm going to treat you as if God is going to continue the work he started in you. Can you imagine even what that was like for that young slave girl who maybe he didn't even know, we don't know what happened to her afterwards, but he knows if God started a work in that little girl, he's going to complete it in her. There is hope. That's what we're supposed to know. If you have gospel partners, you know that God is at work in them, so you can have hope for that person. Here's the third one, what you're supposed to feel with gospel partnerships, the, the emotions uh, that you have, what, what's in your heart. And those relationships are marked by deep love and affection that come not from yourself but from another source, a, a source so deep you can't even drudge it up yourself. Here's, what, here's how Paul puts it in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with the affections of Christ Jesus. The affections of Christ Jesus. You see, Paul looked at these people and, and it was just a reminder to him of how much grace he had been given. It wasn't that, oh, I'm better than these people. He's like, boy, God started work in you. He gave me so much grace. I need that grace too. It was, there was partakers in the, in the grace of each other. So that when you look at someone else, you don't go, boy, they're really bad. You go, wow, can you imagine the grace that God gives to them and he gave to me on the day when I was most broken? And if you can't do that, I think Paul would say, it doesn't come from you anyway. It comes from the perspective and the heart of, of God who sent Jesus, his only son, to lay his life down for you when you were an enemy of his, when you were filthy rags, when you weren't worth anything, God says, I love you so much, I'm going to pursue and redeem you. So maybe we need to borrow from the eyes of Jesus sometimes to feel this deep uh, affection and compassion for people that Jesus felt deep compassion and affection for that he would send his only son. Those are feelings or emotions with gospel partners. Here's the last one. What's the purpose of gospel partners? And we will see, uh, Paul very clearly makes it known, it's, it's for two things. It's for their growth and for God's glory. For, for their growth and God's glory. Verse 9 says this, 
And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This prayer that he starts off with isn't just an aimless prayer of like, oh, I just pray that you'll be comfortable and fine. This is actually a prayer of, of purpose or aim, and this purpose or aim is that they would grow in their, through their love of Jesus and to knowledge and discernment, and they would be doing excellent works, that they would be growing towards the knowledge of Christ and, and reflect Him in that knowledge. It's not a, it's not a prayer of, uh, of just, hey, isn't it, everything just great? It's a prayer of, I'm going to get up in their business. <laughs> Lord, would you, would you mess with them? so that you can free their heart from this world and set it free for the things of, of you, so that you would be glorified. This relationship that actually speaks the truth in love to someone else, that maybe even exposes areas that need to be changed in you, to, to refine you in some ways, to bring glory to God, that, that out of this love you would, you would understand more, that you'd have a a greater biblical fluency to know where the Bible and God's story places into our life, that we could choose the excellent ways that follow the Lord. There's a purpose and a prayer for these uh, Philippians that they would grow. Uh, and that takes some intentionality, I think. Um, I, I think that's even what, what our kind of our, our, as a church we want to do even over these next eight weeks. Let's be intentional. You know, we have lots of acquaintances. I have like a thousand friends on Facebook, uh, but not all of them are gospel partners. I don't pray for all of them. That's a lot to pray for. Uh, and, and, and I don't speak the truth and love to all of them, and that's not even the place to, to do it anyway. Uh, but are there people in my life that we can challenge and grow in the knowledge of Christ so that we can discern what is right and true and lovely? So they would be changed. They would be refined to reflect the image of God. Because we see God builds his kingdom. He builds his church through these gospel relationships, these gospel partners. So let me ask you, who are gospel partners with you? If you had to list, hey, these are the gospel partners. These are the people that are praying for me. These are the people that I know I'm right there with them. I'm going to be faithful as God's working in their life. These are the people that I have this deep love and affection for and people that I'm going to speak the truth because I want them to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Well, hopefully you have a list. And if you don't, maybe thinking, oh, I need to add this to this relationship even this week. Let me end with one more picture of what gospel partnerships look like. It's a, a picture, that I, it's kind of become very like meaningful to me. It's a, a picture of an aspen grove. Have you, any of you ever seen an aspen grove? Beautiful trees, uh, and they're all around kind of this area, Utah and, and Idaho. Uh, and as you look at an aspen grove, you see hundreds or thousands of aspen trees all around. But actually, each one of those trees is only a stem uh, from the, the roots. It's actually one organism. Those roots are all connected underground, and so uh, those stems 
Uh, oh, they look individual or not at all. They're just expressions of that one uh, organism. And so that one organism, that root system that's underground that you can't really see, actually gives nutrients and, and water. If somebody is, uh, one of the trees is, is needing it or is getting sick, they'll, they'll push other things over there. If, if one tree uh, ends up dying, gets old and die, they'll shoot out new roots or new uh, stems that go up. So the aspen grove is actually a tree that grows continuously. That's what I read. It grows continuously because it's connected to a, this largest uh, organism that's underground. Um, actually, the quaking aspen of Utah is said to be the largest living organism in the world. Um, how big it is. But I, you know what I would think? I think Paul would say, no, it's not. The largest living organism in the world that's connected all together is the church is this community of Jesus followers that, that are made up of all these gospel partners uh, that are all rooted in grace with each other. I, th I think that's how Paul would have seen it as he sits in this jail with Epaphroditus who comes and gives him this thing and say, oh, how can I encourage and love you? I'm, gonna be, I'm praying for you. I want to challenge you to grow. How can, how can we get your, your, the church in Philippi, how can we get their heart even more weaned from this world and on to Jesus? How, how can they grow in their relationship with Jesus? And I think these words from Isaiah would have spoken very powerfully to Paul sitting in a prison, and hopefully they'll speak powerfully to you today as well. The, these words were uh, fulfilled in Jesus, but um, we, we see the outcome of, of that fulfillment. In Isaiah 61, in verse 1, Paul might even remembered somebody telling him, well, Jesus picked up these words and said these words as well. Isaiah 61.1 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. As we grow deeper in our roots in Christ, that we would look even more and more like Christ and bring him glory. And not only that, that we would be so encouraging with each other, speaking the truth in love, not letting us just waffle in our sin, but speaking the truth in love that would, would help your brothers and sisters grow in Christ and bring him glory. So let me ask you, just as we end, who are you praying for? Do you have a list? And if you think, yeah, these are my gospel partners, maybe it's a small group that you're in, maybe it's just two or three men, uh, Monday morning or Monday nights, Tuesday mornings, women, Tuesday nights, Wednesday morning, you should all be praying for each other because those are gospel partnerships and that's where it starts. Maybe you need the encouragement that the story is not over yet in somebody. In, in a child or a spouse or a friend that you can see them, God began a work, I believe he's going to finish it. And you just need to have hope and trust in the Lord. Maybe today you just need to dip your heart into the heart of Jesus. Maybe you need to see someone through the eyes of, of Jesus' sacrifice so that you have a, this love and affection for them even when it's very difficult. Or maybe you need to get intentional about a relationship. Maybe you just have an acquaintance, but you want to make them a gospel partner to bring the glory 
of God to that relationship. Because we know, at least in the beginning, we see God build his kingdom through these gospel partnerships in the letters of Philippians. And it just goes on and gets better from there. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, Dean and Eunice. I thank you for their encouragement in my life. I pray that you would be with Eunice um, as she's a little bruised up from her fall. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen her and encourage her. Even uh, today when she's not able to gather and be with us, that you would, uh, you would encourage her so much that she would feel that she has a whole uh, community of people around her that love her and care for her. Lord, I, I pray for um, relationships here at Hollyview that they would be intentional, that they would be growing in knowledge and love of you that would allow us to encourage each other and challenge each other, speak truth, and that we would be a people that are marked by grace upon grace as we realize the grace that we have received from you. And Lord, uh, now would you allow us to um, sing songs of even joy with each other here as we gather and reflect you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us for this message from Hollyview Church. We invite you to join us in person for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212 between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, Thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.